Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 4, Frozen. Not the movie? Not the Disney movie, no. Very much not. No singing? No. No singing. All right, fine. Okay. Okay. I think we need to let our listeners in in, in that there's something a little different about this specific recording of this podcast. What could it be? Uh, we're in the same room together. <gasps> Yay! I'm sitting right next to you and I, could, I can touch you. Stop poking me. Stop it. Stop poking me. <laughs> but yes, I have gone to visit <laughs> Rachel and we're in the same room together doing a podcast live in person and it's so great. Yes. Yes. I don't know how much we've described our locations, but we used to live in the same place and then I moved. And oh, so sad. I know. So now I am visited by the great Carrie. <laughs> So, yes, we are together in person, and it's fantastic. Yay! So, we'll see how much banter or how much more rambly we get when we're just talking to each other. And don't look at my notes. No. You can't see my notes. Okay. Okay, before we get into this week, though, I did go back and rewatch that scene from season one that was the same. Oh, the shot for shot? Yes, which is from the episode The Enemy Within, not Enemy Mind, which I think I said Enemy Mind, but that's a season eight. But, uh, yeah, so from Enemy Within and Redemption Part 2, like the very end, it's, yeah, it's the same. It's the same shot. <gasps> like in an awesome sort of way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to watch it. It's really good. If you haven't done it, I recommend doing it. It's like, oh my god, it is, yeah. it's the thing. It's the thing. They did the thing. Well, hey, what are you doing later? We should watch it. We should. We can. Because okay. we have the entire 10 season box set. We will. Yes, so I do. Yes. We'll find it. <laughs> Okay, shall we get into Frozen? Let's do. Okay. So this episode originally aired on June 28th, 2002. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we have Martin Wood and James Titchener. So in this episode, SG-1 investigates the discovery of a woman frozen in the ice in Antarctica who may be a link to the Gate Builders. A mysterious disease then threatens to kill everyone at the research base. So I'm noticing that... Yeah. Uh, Martin Wood and James Titchener, like they are most definitely when it's their episodes, they are most definitely on the commentary. Do you think that after a while they were like, "Oh God, I have to do this again"? Is this part of my contract? Do I have to? I don't know because Martin Wood seems like one of the guys who really loves like talking about filmmaking. Okay, that like he's really into like the art of it and how you do it and why and all of that stuff. And I think he just likes sharing that as sort of like passing on knowledge in a way because a lot of times he'll get into like technical things of like why he made this shot look like this and why he put the camera where he put the camera oh that stuff is pretty fascinating yeah Yeah. so if you're interested in like sort of the science and the technicality of filmmaking and why somebody did what they did listen to stuff that martin did because he he likes getting into that and what you do to accomplish a certain look yes yeah yeah Like, in this one, he talked about, at some point, um, I think Robert Cooper mentioned, like, taking out, like, the windows that are in between all of the rooms that are in that research base to maybe, like, move the camera through windows or something. Martin was like, no, we need windows to, like, make sure this space is divided to have separate rooms. Yeah, I like it. Stuff like that. No, fun. Well, at least if he ever sounds bored, you'll have to stay. <laughs> you'll have to let us know of this yeah. was the one where he just was done. He, he, he checked out. All right. Yeah. I will I will let you know, yes. Okay. 
So this episode, we open in Antarctica, and one of the scientists there is on a video call with someone, and it turns out to be Samantha Carter, who's back at the SGC. Surprise! Apparently, there was a small blip on one of the ultrasound images that they took, so a couple of the other scientists have gone to check it out real quick and make sure it's not anything important before they kind of pack up and head out for the season, because it's starting to, get, I guess, be like the really, really bad part of Antarctica's weather cycle. I do like when they have episodes incorporating different aspects of the SGC. Yes. Where you, you get to see all the other moving parts. Yes. I like that. Yes. And she doesn't know if they'll be able to be back in Antarctica, but Sam's going to put in a word about her discoveries concerning the DHD and the gate that were down there and how they might be one of the oldest like gates and DHDs in the galaxy since it ran out of power shortly after they got it back to the SGC. Hence why it wasn't used in 48 hours to free tilt because it was out of power. Uh, and so Sam's estimating it could be as much as 50 million years old. That's a lot of years old. That's, yeah, a lot of years That's old. That's so very many years old. Yes. And the scientist there is like, but Antarctica wasn't covered in ice 50 million years ago. It's like, well, it might not have even originated here on Earth. Who knows where that gate came from? But that's what Sam wants to find out. So the scientist there is like, we've been down here for four years. And other than the two Jaffa that were frozen in ice way back when, there's been nothing. And then the two scientists were out on the ice, come back in. It's like, there might be now. Because turns out the blip was something. As we cut to the opening credits. Convenient. What was that something? Just as they were getting shut down, they find something. They find something with a capital S. Mm. Yes. And so this something was apparently important enough to bring SG-1 and Dr. Fraser to the Antarctic outpost, which we see is named the White Rock Research Station, which is named after the city of White Rock, which is near Vancouver, British Columbia, where the show was shot. Oh, mm -hmm. nod. Mm -hmm. So Sam and Dr. Michaels, who's the scientist there that we saw earlier, finally meet in person. She in Sam introduces her to Dr. Fraser. Michaels introduces them to the other two scientists on base, and we get that funny doctor, doctor, major, doctor, 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 doctor. major. And okay, Jack, okay, Jack's like, that's okay, that's good. You've, you've done that, right? We're good. And it just Jack is super stoked to be back in Antarctica. <laughs> it went so well for him the last time they were there. Yes, mm. fond memories. Yes. Stayed at the spa. Mm -hmm. It was, was it one of those ice bath spas, though, I think? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Helps you stay younger longer. So they say. Uh -huh. Yes. So Jonas asks how long this whole trip is going to take, and he's told it'll probably take a few days, and that worries Jonas because the long-range forecast doesn't look so great. And because remember, Jonas loves the Weather Channel, which I like. Yes. So Dr. Michael, Dr. Michaels is taking everyone to the quarantine lab where the specimen is waiting, and on the table is a large block of ice with what appears to be a person inside. One of the sign or Dr. Michaels has named her Ayana, who is a female, based on the scans that they've done. Apparently aged 25 to 35, give or take several million years. And Sam's like, I'm sorry, did you say million? Because humans didn't evolve on this planet until like 800 to 900,000 years ago. So that's, that's big. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. That's a big gap in your resume. Yeah. That could be major, major discovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So many questions come from that statement. Yes. Uh, fun fact from the commentary, they did actually refrigerate the set to negative two degrees Celsius. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, to like help the actors 
actually deal with the cold because also then once you add the lights and all of the people in there, it does warm up a little bit, but it just helps to have the set cold and everything. So you still feel cold. Yes. They were very method. Yes. And the other reason is because that is an actual block of ice on the table with a mannequin frozen inside of it. Oh, man. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. How would you like to be the props department for that one? I mean, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Like, we need a we need a mannequin in a block we, of ice. We need a cave person. Yeah. In a block of ice. Not a, no, not a cave person. Well, okay. A person person. A person person. I misspoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, like, what do we know? What does all what what does all of this mean? So, the gate that was found in Antarctica predates the glacier being in in Antarctica, but the Jaffa that they found a few years ago can't be as old as this woman that they found in the ice, because once the Giza Gate was buried and the Gould dialed Earth, it would have then connected to the Antarctic Gate, creating a crevice that the Jaffa came through, and then they froze, which is only like. Jonas says like 2,000 years ago, which is, he's misspeaking a little bit. It was been like 2000 BC, I think maybe he meant to say. Okay. When like the Giza Gate was buried and everything. Um, but this woman didn't do that. Also, she is neither Gould nor Jaffa. So she has to have been there since the Antarctic Gate was the gate on Earth. Oh, man. And so Jack's like, okay, what, like, what does this mean? T tell me, like, I'm a five-year-old. Like, break it down. What does this mean? So this means that this woman could very well be evidence that humans evolved on Earth long before originally thought that they did, quite possibly not on Earth. And Jack is like, I'm sure Darwin would be very upset. Which he would, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. We cut to a bit later and we see Jack and Tilk, like, walking into a locker room to kind of take off some of the layers around and don't. Jack forgot to take the Simpsons. It's very important to him, Rachel. Don't stop. <laughs> That's we've had more than one Simpsons reference today. Oh, yes. It's funny how they all keep coming back. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So back in the lab, they're looking at some of the tissue samples, and they're absolutely phenomenal. There's no evidence of damage from them having been frozen, which Dr. Frazier explains to Jonas a little bit about what happens to cells when you freeze them. But these cells are absolutely perfect. They could have been taken from anybody in that room. So we then see them pulling a massive heat lamp into place over the block of ice to begin melting it. We get some sort of time-lapse stuff and then her head is exposed, though it's covered with her arm and like the sleeve of whatever clothing she's wearing, which they note that the clothing is tailored. So that would indicate a level of like evolution and, you know, technology that probably didn't exist Five million, you know, a couple million years ago on Earth. Yeah, and maybe even a status thing. We don't know. Perhaps, yes. So they carefully pull back the sleeve, and this woman looks perfect. With her 90s eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the perfect thing. Perfectly manicured eyebrows. Yeah. The little bit. Okay. We just, we just let that go. Mm -hmm. yeah. It looked good on her. It did, yes. So Dr. Frazier shines a flashlight on her face and the pupils react, which that shouldn't happen because if you're dead, your pupils don't react to things. True. So Frazier calls for Sam to come in and help and she runs in from the observation room as Michaels wheels a large machine over and they're basically going to like hook her up to an EEG to like start measuring brain waves. So they get the EEG all hooked up, they switch it on and there are delta waves. Oh, holy crap. 
They got to get her out of the ice ASAP. Sam yells over to the observation room for Jack to crank the heat. So she's alive. She's alive. She's alive. She's alive. She's alive. Would you like to know some fun facts about Delta Waves? Sure. I thought you were going to say, would you like to know fun facts about being alive? <laughs> being. No, I'm not going to. No. Okay. From, from company, being alive. Oh. Song. No. no. I queued you up good for that one we and then did. dropped it. Because I can't sing. Nobody wants to hear me try and sing that song, especially. Uh, anyway, okay, so delta waves. They are most commonly associated with the part of sleep where a person is not dreaming, so like very, very deep sleep. Okay. So if you're ever like woken up and are very confused and disoriented, it's probably because you were woken up in the middle of the delta wave stage of sleep. Oh, so. okay. That's what delta waves are. Got it. Okay. So a bit later, we see that most of the ice have has melted and they carefully move Ayana over to a gurney. Her temperature is 73. There's no signs of frostbite. So they start to prep equipment to try and revive her. And as Dr. Michael says, in, Ant- in Antarctica, you're not dead until you're warm and dead. I have heard that in more than one place. So the commentary or the, you know, extra stuff that you were watching that I was only partially paying attention to. Yes. I did find it really fascinating. The part where they got her in in the ice, as it were, because it wasn't ice, it was acrylic, but in order to get her to look like she was actually inside of it, they had to mold her face into it. Yeah, there's a like a director's featurette on the DVD for this where, like when it's just the mannequin, it is actual ice, but when they have the actress in there, they took a mold of her head to mold an acrylic piece to look like ice and sort of cut it in half lengthwise, sort of like hot dog bun style yeah where she like laid down on part of it and they put the other part of it like over her yeah to look like ice but they had because it had to look look like she was in the ice they had to make sure it was like yeah perfectly formed around her head i dig that kind of stuff that was very fascinating that was cool yes so they get this woman intubated there's a heartbeat she also starts bleeding from a small wound on her arm There's some more medical jargon about what's going on. Her heartbeat is about 10 beats per minute. And then she crashes into V-fib. They prepare to shock her, but then her heartbeat evens out, starts rising. Her blood pressure is rising. She blinks her eyes and she is awake. What? Not just alive, but awake. And conscious and wondering where she is. Oh, man. Oh, man. We then switch to this woman's POV, and it is kind of scary. Like, there's all these weird people. There's lights. Like, what's going on? And she's breathing. So they very carefully and calmly as they can remove the tube. And everyone's doing everything they can to appear calm and not threatening. Like, it's okay. Everything's fine. Like, you're fine. And they talk to her like she knows what they're, t- yes. <laughs> what they're saying. Yes. She then starts... It wasn't clear if she was just, like, struggling or actually, like, seizing here and she starts kind of thrashing around a little bit because dr fraser calls for valium so that i don't know if you give valium to people who are seizing no it looks more like she was upset and just trying to make a break for it okay so they give her some volume she settles down that we then cut to sometime later later in like the observation rooms like what's what's going on here what like what what is this big question so this changes everything that everybody thought they knew about humans and how life evolved and whether this should all still hold true that humans were transplanted off of earth to other planets via the stargate as the ashes has been operating under this whole time 
because the chances of life evolving on another planet to look exactly like Earth humans is like infinitesimally like small. Like that's that's just like crazy pants. It's ridiculous. Crazy pants on crazy pants. Yes, and Jonas is like, well, wouldn't it actually be Earth evolving to look like her because she's older? And they're like, oh, that's well, nice. yes. So Dr. Woods wants to go back to where she was found to get some more samples from the ice. And then we see that uh, Ayana is awake again. So Jonas is going to go try and talk to her. Like Jonas does. Yes. Because he is the new Daniel Jackson. He's the one that makes the emotional connection. Yes. So they, uh, Jonas and actually Dr. Michaels head in and Ayana is obviously quite scared. She has you know, no idea what's going on. And Jonas and Dr. Michaels, who Francine... You learn her first name as they introduce themselves. Jonas is then like, you know, the restraints can be removed because apparently they bolted her down <laughs> for some reason. Like, okay, yes. They also help her sit up. Jonas is like, can you speak? She doesn't really answer. So just like, no, it's unlikely she speaks modern American English. And just like, well, we can still try to communicate. That's what they do. So Jonas like introduces himself again, sort of pointing at himself and saying his name a few times, like Jonas, Jonas, mm-hmm. me. And then Ayana repeats his name, which awesome. So Jonas is like Francine, that Francine, Jonas. Do you have a name? And nothing with that. She just like kind of lifts up the sleeve on her scrubs to see like the bandage. Doctor Michael says sorry, which Ayana repeats. Like, sort of questioningly. And so Jonas tries to explain what sorry means in this case. And Dr. Michaels removes the bandage. And that small wound is completely gone. Interesting. Yes. And it's like, that's amazing. And she repeats, amazing. amazing. Indeed, she is. In one of the other lab rooms, Sam is looking at one of the weather radars, and that storm that Jonas mentioned seems to be moving in more quickly than expected. So Jack radios to Doctors Woods and Osborne, who've gone back to the site to tell them to hurry up, and they're like, yeah, we're almost done. We'll be back in a couple hours. We see Jonas and Michaels enter the lab, that they weren't really able to learn anything other than the fact that she has amazing regenerative abilities. Tilk suggests she might be trying to hide something. It's like, well, why would she do that? And as Sam says, fear. Because she likely has no idea what the heck is going on here. Which totally makes sense because that's totally what I would do. Yes. I'd be like, I don't know who you are. I don't know where I am. I'm not telling you anything. Yep. No. No. A bit later, Jonas takes some food to Ayana. It's, you know, not the best kind of food because it's a scientific research post in Antarctica. But she scraps it down anyway, because she has to be absolutely starving after several million years. A little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. No, I would think so. Yes. Uh, Dr. Michaels takes off her jacket because it's starting to get a little warm in there now that they've turned the heat back up. And um, I didn't... One of the things that Martin talked about in the commentary is that Ayana isn't learning. She's remembering. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That distinction. Because he kind of compared it directly to... Uh, the fifth element mm-hmm. where Mia, Mila Jovovich's character she's evolving as she learns things and this is kind of the complete opposite of that where Ayana is just as she starts to you know become alive again remembers everything and she get exposed to. to things yeah yes yes okay so Jonas then shows Ayana a drawing of the Stargate to see if she perhaps recognizes it but the only thing she does is look at it and says amazing yay mm-hmm. 
Sam joins Dr. Fraser in the observation room at one of the computer terminals, and Dr. Fraser shows her EEG readings from Cassandra when she started developing those telekinetic abilities, and also EEG readings from when Jack had the ancient repository in his head. She then brings up Ayana's EEG readings, and they are pretty much identical. So what does this mean? So if Cassie's and Jack's readings were due to some outside influence rewriting parts of their brain to make them more advanced, what if that's just her natural state? What if the evolution of humans that started 800, 900,000 years ago isn't the first time this happened? What if this woman is part of the race that built the Stargate? <gasps> what? Holy shit. Holy crap. Holy shit indeed. They're then interrupted by Dr. Michaels collapsing and Jonas yelling for Dr. Fraser. So Dr. Michaels is now running a very high fever, which is what caused her to faint, and Fraser still needs to run some more tests to figure out what exactly is going on. It seems very possible that Ayana is carrying some kind of contagion, which was passed on to Dr. Michaels. Jonas is still in the room with Ayana because at this point he's already been exposed, if it was something, and they need to know as much as they can, as quickly as they can, about her and everything. And Fraser then advises that the plane was to pick them up tomorrow, be called off, which was unlikely to land anyway because of the weather. So until they can figure out what's happening, everyone is quarantined to the base. Which I think is a really interesting print. Like, not only is there a big old storm going on to keep them on, but they're like, no, no, contagion, we're stuck here. Uh -huh. I very much like the plot of this and how things are unfolding. Yes, this is a good one. Yeah, that's so Jack calls to Woods and Osborne over the radio, but does not get any response. We also see that Michaels isn't responding to any of the antibiotics. And if Woods and Osborne were exposed and then they collapsed out in the wilds of Antarctica, that, that would be very bad. That would not be good. No. Less than good. Yes. Bad. Then the door to the base opens and after Osborne stumbles in calling for help, he has the core samples in a case. He was also separated from Woods, but Woods has not made it back yet. The vehicle they had, they got stuck in a massive snowdrift, and Fraser quickly examines Osborne, who's also running a fever, and they're like, get him to the barracks, like, no. Yep. So Sam stays to help Dr. Fraser while Jack and Tilt head out to start searching for Dr. Woods, and they're really hoping he activated his EPIRB. EPIRB? Do you want to take a guess what that stands for? What is EPIRB? Wait, EPIRB. Uh, no, I can't, I can't even, no. It means emergency position indicating radio beacon. I'm trying to think of like, can't you just say GPS? But no, that's no, not, no. <laughs> no. So uh, a transmitter that has this kind of signal is for use in extreme emergencies like ships sinking or being stuck out in Antarctica. It operates specifically at 406 megahertz. That signal is then picked up by satellites and relayed to various search and rescue teams in the area. And all of the, the particulars around this signal were actually set on an international level through a consortium of rescue services around the world. Ooh, okay. So this, this is like an international thing. So if you're anywhere lost, go, turn to 406 megahertz and send out a signal and somebody will find you. 120, what is it? 121 gigawatts. 121 gigawatts. Yeah. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Not that one, no. Uh, no, 1.21. Yes. Yes. Okay. Not that one. No. no. All right. 406 megahertz, everybody. 406 megahertz. If you're ever on a boat, 
write that down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jonas goes to see Ayana and explains what's going on with everybody. And it seems like she's able to understand him in some way, even if she's not able to like respond or talk herself yet. She doesn't know anything about any kind of disease she might be carrying. She doesn't know why she's not sick with it. She doesn't know how or why she's able to heal herself. And it's it's kind of frustrating at this point. I like that they have her able to understand before she can speak. Because that's usually what happens when you learn a language, isn't it? Yes. Where you can, you can read it, you can understand it, but you can't yes. speak that way. Yes. But again... She's remembering. Right. Well, no, but I I would imagine her brain is working much the same way on this one. Yes. So Dr. Fraser is going to boost Michael's and Wood's antibiotics. Or Osborne. Dr. Osborne. Yes, I put the wrong name. I'm sorry. Uh, Is going to boost the antibiotics she's giving to Drs. Michael and Osborne, even though there hasn't been any kind of bacterial growth in any of the cultures. So if this is viable, well, there's nothing else that can be done. And Dr. Michael's kidneys have started to shut down, which that's very, very bad. Sam was able to examine the core samples that Osborne brought back. And Ayana is from that same ice vein that the gate was in, which makes her at least 3 million years old. Oh, man. Probably older. She looks fantastic. She does, yeah. Jack radios back that he and Tilke found the abandoned vehicle, but visibility is practically nothing, and the storm is messing with the satellites that track that tracker that we just talked about, so they're going to keep looking, though, because obviously they can't just leave him out there. Dr. Fraser knocks on the window to get Jonas's attention, and so he comes back through, tells her about Ayana being able to understand him, but not really being able to give him anything in return. He's hopeful her memories will come back, but Dr. Fraser isn't sure how much time they have to wait. They're against the clock on this one in more than one way. Very much so. Yes. Out in the Antarctic, Tilke yells for Jack. He's found Dr. Woods. Fantastic. They get him back to the base. He's hypothermic. They get him to the infirmary, start work on getting him warmed up. His feet show signs of severe frostbite. He then flatlines. They get the paddles ready when Ayana steps up to the gurney. Jack yells for her to stay back, but Jonas is like, hey, wait, let's let her try whatever she's going to do. She puts one hand on his head, one hand on his stomach, and starts concentrating very, very hard. And Woods then suddenly takes a deep breath. They all watch as the frostbite basically heals itself instantly. And he takes another deep breath. His vitals all return to normal as Iona collapses. No! A bit later, Jonas goes to visit Iona where she's been resting. She knows what she did, but not how she did it. And she seems unsure if she can do it again. Jonas mentions that Michaels and Osborne are also very sick. And if there's any way she could help them, that'd be great. So she nods. They're going to give it a try. They go to visit Dr. Michaels first. Ayanna does the same thing she did with Dr. Woods, where she like puts the hands on her. And it, we, we don't know because then we just cut to the lab where everybody is waiting. But then Osborne and Michaels enter. So whatever she did worked. Yay. Great. Fraser's getting concerned about Ayana though, because each time she does this, she gets weaker. And if everybody else has contracted this illness too, she's not sure if Ayana is going to be strong enough to be able to cure everyone. She might just end up getting sick herself. So this is uh, dire straits we're getting into here. Yeah, it's an interesting pickle. Yes. A little bit later, Fraser comes back to the group and confirms that Ayana's white blood cell count is lowered. 
it's likely that Dr. Frazier and SG-1, with the exception of Tilk, are going to get very sick very soon. So they all need to get some rest. And you can see, like, Jack's, like, laying down and is kind of looking, like, already, like, he's a little... Like it's starting. It's, it's starting. He's, yeah. Yeah. So the other scientists are going to keep Naya and Ayala, also start running some tests on their own blood because now perhaps they have some kind of immunity that can be used to help since they've been cured of this illness. We then see Dr. Woods sitting with Ayana and both appear to be sleeping. Ayana wakes up, so does Woods. He thanks her for healing him and feels bad about what's happening with all of the others. Ayana kind of just like looks at her hands and then touches Woods' face who promptly passes out. That one was weird. Yes. And Martin did talk about how weird it was and how he didn't really like it. Like, he mentions he would have liked... It's a, he actually mentions it a little bit later, but kind of in reference back to this scene, some kind of noise because they didn't do, a, like, a visual effect for her healing ability. Some kind of musical cue or tonal quality that indicated a good thing was happening and that like she wasn't killing him here. yeah you know just like making him pass out you know kind of a thing just sort of to indicate a good thing is happening this isn't bad it's right fine. yeah because you really don't know from that one no you know it's like did she, did, he, did she just kill him what's going on mm. Uh, Ayana then heads to the room where Sam and Dr. Fraser are sleeping and she starts with Dr. Fraser touches her in that same way that she had healed Woods and we cut to the other scientists, and the storm seems to be passing, which is great news. Perhaps they can get a disease control team in to help. So Osborne's going to go relieve Dr. Woods, and he passes Tilk on the way, who we see is in Kelno Rain, surrounded by candles. Which, does Tilk just, like, travel with candles? Do they have, why would they have candles there? It's a really good I, point. I didn't think about it. They just had those stashed somewhere. I mean, if, I imagine for powers, they likely more have, like, you know, flashlights and stuff. I don't I, know. Well, you know, maybe they just have a stash of candles in the event that there's no power and the batteries go out. Maybe they're just like, we should have these. Perhaps. We can always burn something. Yeah. And Tilk was just, he claimed them. Yes. It was like, I must have the rain, which means I need candles. I mean, there were only like three of them. So there wasn't like, you know, the whole mass he usually has around him. But yeah. I'm He's just, like, I need mood lighting. <laughs> Yes. This will do. Yes. So Osborne can't wake Dr. Woods up. He hurries to Dr. Fraser's room where we see that she and Sam are awake and starting to get dressed. He tells them that Ayana missing is missing and that Woods won't wake up. So the three of them start searching the base and eventually find the room where the boys were sleeping. And we see Jonas kneeling over an unconscious Ayana. Jack is in his cot and he's unfortunately still running a very high fever, starting to look very, very ill. Back at the entrance to the base, we see a large number of people in hazmat gear enter. We then cut to some time later, and we see Jack and Diana are in the sealed rescue pod stretcher things. It was, it's sort of like a miniature containment unit. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure that's based on, I'm sure that's an actual thing, but it's just, I don't think I'd ever seen it before this point in this TV show. No, it was just very weird how it was all painted and themed too, not just like a basic hospital looking thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they also have oxygen masks on. Everybody else is now in hazmat gear, except for Tilk, who's looking at it like, do I really have to? And Sam's like, yeah, because while you might not get sick, you might still be carrying this disease, which you could pass on to other people. So just put it on. Everyone will get cleared once they get back to the SGC, which like, 
you're not making a stop between Antarctica and the SGC. It's like clear of everybody has a virus. Like, really? You're just going to go straight to Colorado and, and risk infecting everybody there? Yep. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. There is no middle ground, middle, yeah. middle place. No, they just take everything back. So we then are back at the SGC and we see Jack in one of the quarantined infirmary rooms with Sam and Dr. Fraser. Hammond is up in the observation room to check on things and it's it's not going great. They've reached out to the Tokra and they're sending somebody, but this might not be something that they can help with and they really, really need Diana's help with this. So far, Dr. Fraser has been able to determine that this disease behaves behaves like cerebrospinal meningitis where it attacks the brain. It might be that all Ayana is doing is triggering some kind of immune response in the people that she's healing, but the disease might start to be too far progressed within like Ayana herself to be able to continue to like rejuvenate or regenerate herself and then keep healing other people. And Dr. Fraser's not sure that Ayana is going to survive what is happening. So I was kind of fuzzy on that. So... It was, so the disease she had was in fact killing her. Yes, but because she has some kind of self-regenerative power, her body was just healing the disease as it came up. But because she was expending energy to heal everybody else, it was weakening her own immune system. Okay. And therefore, over time, it started not being able to fight the disease as effectively. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. I will admit it took a couple times like watching and reading through the, the transcript to be like, okay, what exactly is happening? And I'm pretty sure that that's, that is what's happening. Next. Got it. Okay. Jonas goes to see Ayana in her infirmary room and he's still in the hazmat here. So go see her. She does wake up and Jonas thanks her for what she's done for all of them. She kind of then looks like she's in immense pain, says sorry, and then passes out as she flatlines. Dr. Frazier and other medical personnel rush in wearing hazmat suits to start trying to save her. And so in the commentary, Martin mentioned that this was one of a few scenes he didn't really like, mostly because Ayana doesn't look sick enough to then die. <laughs> As she does. Like she's still lucid, she's still talking, she's still understanding Jonas. Her skin is still a healthy color, her eyes are still all sparkly. She's just she's too healthy looking to like be dead in 30 seconds. Yeah. We then jump up to the briefing room where we see Ham, Hammond, Sam, Tilk, and a Tokra heading up. And unfortunately, Jack is too sick to be healed by the hand device. However, the Tokra do have a symbiote that is in need of a new host, as the previous host was mortally wounded in battle. That's always their solution for everything. How convenient. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, diseases are apparently much easier for a symbiote to heal than physical harm. And Tilk speaks up that Jack most likely would not want this. And Thorne is like, not even over death. And before they can answer, Jonas then rushes in to tell everybody that Ayana is dead. That's so sad. Is, we, we don't know anything about her. No, we don't I... actually know if any of their theories about her are true. No. We never... Oh, I was yeah. very, very sad that she yes. died. We hardly knew you. Yeah. So he gets introduced to Thorin and what he's offering. And at this point, Jack is in a coma. So they may need to make this decision for him. And Sam does not like that idea any more than Tilk did. 
Thorne suggests perhaps a temporary arrangement could be agreed to. He claims to know Kanan, the symbiote, quite well, and that he would be more than willing to blend with Jack, cure him, and then leave again once a fully willing host was found. And if a new host couldn't be found, Kanan would then make the ultimate sacrifice. There's also this little thing that the previous hosts died before they were able to reveal the intelligence from the undercover mission they were on, so... Which is uber, uber important, conveniently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So throughout this commentary, Martin mentioned something that they actually filmed Abyss, which is two episodes from now, before this episode, which Abyss is actually like the conclusion to this episode. Mm -hmm. And so when he then got the script and started reading through it, it was kind of weird because he knew where this episode led and so was looking for, okay, what's the thing that makes us get to that point? Yes. And it's this. That's how we get there. And... Because this story feeds into Abyss so much, he does feel a bit like the actual storyline of Frozen with Ayana and everybody got cheated a little bit because they had to lay the groundwork for Abyss. Uh, I would agree, even not remembering the other episode at all. I was very sad with how Ayana was ended. Oh, you know Abyss. You probably just don't know it by name, but if I, once I tell you what happened, you're like, oh, yes, that one. Okay. I'll tell you. I know it, but I don't know it, but I know it, but I don't. Yes. Okay. Alrighty. So again, Sam really doesn't think that they can make this decision and really, really wants Jack to make it himself. So they head back to the infirmary. Sam heads in where Dr. Frazier gives Jack uh, an injection of epinephrine to try and like wake him up out of the coma. And we see Hammond and Jonas up in the observation room. Sam tells him that they have a symbiote that could cure him and he does wake up enough to go over my dead body, which like, yep, we knew that was coming. She then adds the stuff about the super important intelligence and how that would be very useful. And he does nod ever so slightly. So, okay. okay. So we then see Jack back in that sealed like transport container with Sam, Tilk, Jonas, Thorin, and two other medics taking Jack through the gate. And that is the end. And it's a too big a day out. Sort of. Of sorts. A bit, but it doesn't say that on the screen. No. But, yeah. But that's all we get. That's all we get for this week. Mm. With Frozen. I mean, I don't know how much they ultimately learn about Ayana in the other uh, episodes. But, yeah, I was very sad that, like, they dug her out of the ice. They didn't get to learn even really what her name is no. or anything about her. And then, like, she gets everybody sick and tries to heal them. And then she just dies for her efforts. And, like, <laughs> man, she got, she just, they did her dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Martin did talk about that, about how, like, she really, yeah, it was a little yeah. cheap. Yep. Yeah. She deserved way better. She did, yes. So the episode title, Frozen. I think that, that this one's fairly obvious. Not the movie. No. Okay. No singing. No. All right. No. All right. I don't think this one could be Desperate Measures. Really? I, no. No. I don't mm, think so. Well, <laughs> Jack actually agreeing to have a symbiote is pretty desperate. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's always a desperate measure. There is. There is. We do have some fun foreign territory titles. Yay. Would you like to read them since you can see my screen? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in French, this was called Prisoner of the Ice. 
In Italian, it was a body in the ice. Oh, I'm just noticing now that you actually do have the foreign title, though. You never actually try to pronounce that? Oh, uh, would you like me to? Prisonnier de glace. Prisonnier de glace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Prisoner that, of the that's ice. French. Okay. Italian, un corpo tra i ghiacci. Oh, that's way better than I was thinking for that one. <laughs> uh, che- I'm not going to try and pronounce Czech, but that is in the capture of ice. Uh, in German, you know, do you know a little bit of German, don't you? Wie uh, was aus dem Eist? I I don't know how you say, vi- I don't know if that's an actual V, but it's virus. I know the other one's probably like aus dem Eist. And that means virus from the ice. Yeah. And then Hungarian, again, not going to try and pronounce that one, but that's frozen into ice. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that either. No. <laughs> yeah. But Spain was just frozen as well, so they were just what they did. Right. Final thoughts on Frozen. Liked it, but they, yeah, they, they could have treated her way better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Those are my final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, boo, Stargate, boo. I'm very excited to see Abyss, which we will get in two weeks, because we have Nightwalkers in between there. Woohoo! Is that related to this at all? No. <gasps> so we really get left hanging. Yes. So the next episode, everyone in the world is just like, what? Where's my conclusion? And then they get it. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll be those people. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, check the show notes for the link. Or you can send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Nightwalkers. Bye. Bye.